0: 18 plus. Ready to get your glitter on? Then head to Worlds of Fun Grand Carnival from July 23rd through August 7th for a larger-than-life shimmering celebration.
2: Join the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade of floats, performers, music, and beads that sweeps across the park. And take your taste buds on a world tour while dancing to music after dark. Save over 45% with a Carnival Bundle, which includes admission, parking, and three food tastings. Only at worldsoffun.com. It's the bluest room in town
3: Yeah, they're actually funny
1: It's your weekly show here on the Blue Room. Just a reminder, if you listen to the podcast, that is our new theme tune. It's by Zuzu, who is boss. She's a toffee. Uh, Go and listen to all her stuff. She's amazing. And uh, again, thanks very much to her for doing the theme tune. Uh, If you're you're watching us on YouTube, go and listen to it anyway. Uh, It'll be out on the podcast, but it's uh, a nice little jingle she's been kind enough to do for us. So yeah, go and listen to her stuff. Uh, I've also got three boss guests today. Uh, starting off with Oliver Healy, who revealed on Twitter this week that he's just starting to watch The Wire. Um, how are you getting on with it, mate?
3: Very good, very good so far. I'm just at the end of season one, and I'm loving it. Like it's just, it's unbelievable. Like everyone said, it was a slow beginning, but I've got straight into a
1: Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Uh, no, doubt. well, actually, our, our, our next guest as well, Les Roberts. I mean, you've done a video this week, mate, but we, we forgot to mention Your roaring and success with AC Holy Lake this weekend.
4: Yeah, didn't we? It was the high points of the weekend, the 4 0 win away at New Ferry. Um, I thought I thought it was in for a terrible Saturday because I have to go to New Ferry for half nine and then uh, get back for heaven at half 12. Uh, yeah, no, the lads pulled it out the bag. Great win, uh, convincing win. So it's uh, Asheville away in Wallasey on Saturday.
1: so not uh, a big
4: one, is it? Yeah, I think they're a place above us and a couple of points. So uh, we can leapfrog them, march up the table. Jobs are good. Un. There we go. Uh, the the,
1: but we the Wirral, We're All Angelotti. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> maybe that's not a compliment at the moment, actually, to be fair, mate. Uh, I, I wouldn't play that formation, mate. <laughs> I know better than that. AC Hurry League will never be playing wing box ever okay. uh, at that, that level. But uh, And also, join us, and we should say congratulations to Sarah Alpin, who picked up a silver medal at the Football Blogging Awards or Football Content Awards. Now, we seem to change the name every year. Uh, Sarah but I was just saying then before we came on let's be honest the, the, the reason you didn't win is because you won last year and he couldn't give you two years in a row so so well done on that
2: oh well I'll I'll take that Matt I'm not so sure that's the reason myself but I'll uh, I'll take that all day long and that's <laughs> it's a massive compliment now and do you know what the the girls in the category and not just girls the people I was up against in the category were are all amazing um so, yeah, I was pretty gobsmacked to to get recognition for a second year on the road. But it's always a really lovely thing and appreciative of all the really, really lovely comments I've had from Evertonians and stuff as well. And, you know, for all the votes and stuff um, and helping me get there, you know, it, it means an awful lot to me. So thank you so much. And, you know, do my little bit to br- bring a bit of silverware back to Goodison Park, can you? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, just, just you on your own so at the moment. So yeah. Just... <laughs> Just the one-person crusade. I guess uh, sort of, where are in our trophy cabinet. Um, this is it. It's
2: got to be done, mate. It's got to yeah. start somewhere.
1: <laughs> well, well, well. obviously the girls came close uh, earlier this year. We'll be chatting about them a little bit later. They've had a bit of a, a dip in form recently. We'll have a chat with Sarah about what's been going on with them and, and why they're finding it so hard at the moment. Uh, the lads could take a step towards silver sort of in December, obviously play Manchester United later this month. We're going to have a chat about the festive period as a whole. Uh, I wouldn't use the phrase I used to describe what December's going to be like before we started (laughs) recording today. Uh, But it's going to be hard by the looks of it, isn't it? So we'll have a chat about that. Uh, But a few other topics to start off with. Um, I'm delighted you're on tonight, mate, because I was sort of sitting there thinking about things we could discuss last night. And lo and behold, Ronald Koeman's Barcelona slipped to a 3-0 defeat at home to Juventus. It could have been actually a lot worse for them on the night from, from what I've seen of the game Uh, and this is after they got beaten by newly promoted Cadiz in La Liga at the weekend as well and it's probably fair to say that while I didn't expect it to go particularly well for the former Everton manager there, it's going a bit worse than even I anticipated it would.
3: Yeah, it's funny because like I work a lot of people based in Barcelona so the feeling about Kuhn there is that he's a legend. I didn't realise how much of a legend he is in the club until he was appointed because obviously I wasn't warm with the there like he's really well known there and really, really well respected. So the idea was that he'd come in and he'd have the kind of gravitas and respect to kind of maybe not revolutionize the club, but get it under control and kind of with the players uh, playing the way he wanted to be playing, you know, kind of set things up for the next kind of few years to move on. Um, but, uh, but um, basically I was kind of surprised because, um, sorry, i Uh, I was kind of surprised because uh, I was surprised how um, well-known he was, basically, and well renowned he was. But then, uh, the way things have gone, I'm quite pleased, to be honest, because, like, as I've said before in the past, many people, I think there's few people who have done more damage to Everton in the last (laughs) decade than Ronald Koeman, you know, along with the (laughs) team. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, reports today coming out that he's under pressure from players within the camp, that um, a lot of players are kind of questioning his, his methods, his tactics, especially. They respect him as a person, but they don't like his reliance in the 4-2-3-1. He's kind of way too narrow. He's not giving uh, a situation where there's a strong fluidity between the kind of attack and defence. It's kind of very separate, you know. So uh, they're, they're not impressive at all. They're ninth in La Liga, and now they're a second in their group in Champions League. So they'll be probably drawn against a tougher team in the last 16. So it's not looking good by any means, though.
1: Yeah, it's, it's been tough for him, hasn't it, in that regard there. And Sarah, I don't know how much you've seen of Barcelona this season, but I'll just quickly read out this extract that um, Sam Reid sent me on Twitter yesterday. This is from Sid Lowe's piece in The Guardian, reflecting on Barcelona's performance at the weekend. Uh, just see if this sounds familiar uh, at all. It said, uh, "Kuma complained of a lack of attitude, no aggression, no pace, no confidence at the back. It is a recurring theme. After one game, an opponent could not believe what he had seen, saying Barcelona had walked. More worrying might be that when they do try, it's no guarantee either. Although results in Europe make all this harder to explain. Structurally, it does not convince. The 4-2-3-1, with its overload of number 10s, exposes the middle two and squeezes the men ahead of them. Everyone turning inside into heavy traffic. The same space is occupied by many footballers, largely getting in each other's way. Chase the results and it gets even more crowded. Every attacker thrown on, there's a predictability to their play sterile and vulnerable. Does that sound familiar at all?
2: Uh, well, I just want to thank you there, Matt, for triggering me uh, with my... Uh, <laughs> yeah. taking me... I'm not going to sleep well tonight now, but no, <laughs> that just, you, you can't help but sort of laugh listening to it, you know, when they're talking about the overload of number 10s, players getting in each other's way, the fact they're a walk. It, it, it is just, you know, he's clearly somebody who's had a, a incredible career in the game as a player, but as a manager, um, and you know, as Alan's saying there, he's clearly a, a legend within the club and that must have had something to do with him getting the job there. But yeah, like you, Matt, I, I, I didn't expect him to do well, but I mean, I'm, I'm quite staggered. And of course, seeing the fallout in the this game where he's turning and arguing the Juve bench and they're laughing at him and all this, I just thought, wow, you know, th- th- this has gone to a different level than what I thought it would.
1: Yeah, it feels like he's not far off going, you know, fulfil his ulisillas in a turn <laughs> no, on the way, isn't he? In a, in a trackie and stubble. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that, uh, yeah,
4: yeah. He's, he's definitely on the way there, isn't he? I'm. Um, I don't think he ever done ever done anything managerially to warrant getting that job at all, did he? Um, I'd love to know if this number ten thing was it was a pre-Everton thing as well, or just something he picked up and seemed to like when he joined Everton. Also, <laughs> <laughs> a Barcelona as well, but yeah, I think. It, I think, as Alan said, um, he's a massive legend in Barcelona just because of what he did as a player. remember when we went over to the new Camp, I think it was the summer we got him as our manager. I was buzzing off seeing pictures of him everywhere, thinking, oh, yeah, there's our manager. He's a Barcelona legend. How can this possibly go wrong? And uh, (laughs) obviously, you know, it did uh, quite spectacularly. But, yeah, he he never did anything managerial-wise to warrant getting a job that big. Uh, It never felt like a good fit to any of us, did it? I haven't Mm -hmm. seen one at Everton. So, um, yeah, all the best to him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you, did you sort of get the sense, out at the start of the season that he was always going to be a bit of a, a sacrificial lamb? They just needed somebody there to oversee this season, which is going to be Messi's last at the club, by all accounts, before Xavi potentially takes over when he's ready. Obviously, they'll talk about him taking it this summer, but he decided... You know, i fair play to him, but I'm not going near that for, for a while uh, it is, is Was it always a sense that this was coming, but they just needed somebody there to effectively fill the role as manager and then eventually get sacked?
3: I'd say that Arsene, for instance, I think it shows how important it is to pick the right job to enter a managerial career with. So for Xavi, I think he's, he wants to wait until after the 2022, 2022 World Cup is what I hear. He wants to stay in Qatar until then. Because if you came into Barcelona at this time as a young manager, no matter how highly rated you were, it's a very dangerous situation. Because if you fuck up the first job, you're in serious trouble. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I think Kumin took it because he was desperate. It's the job he always wanted. I remember he had FCB in his car rage when he was a Goodison. Um, yeah. And he knew that in good times, he would never get the job. So the reason he took the job was because he was, his status as a player was great enough that he could command respect and he could satisfy the fans a little, as if say maybe Duncan Ferguson got the job for us and did the same thing. Um, but like I remember, another person I worked with is from Valencia, and he's also hated in Valencia because he kind of he, he steered out some ser- seriously senior players of Valencia in the kind of late two thousands, and they won the cup del Rey, but they had a terrible uh, league campaign. So he's despised in Valencia as well. So we're having a conversation at the beginning of the season with Barcelona. Uh, journalists and stuff, and they were kind of saying, no, give him a chance, he, he, he can do things well, he's, he was doing well with Holland. he did well with Southampton, and we were both saying, listen, we had him 10 years apart, he's a disaster, Like he's lazy, he's arrogant, he's tactically inept. Like So yeah, I think he was definitely a patsy, basically, to be honest. I think he was arrogant enough to think that he could pull it off, but he, he's
1: not going to. Yeah, uh, it doesn't look like it's going to go particularly well there for Ronald Koeman. Maybe it just needs to get Sandro back. He's, you know, he's, he's there with oh, now and I don't think he's moved particularly well. Maybe that's the dream team. He needs to reunite with us to get this all going. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you
4: know, it could do a lot worse. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: uh, absolutely uh, but yeah tough times for Ronald at Barcelona there. I just thought it would be something that bit been interested to stop the show on uh, so I have a chat about the girls as well um, I'd probably be fair to say they're not going through the, the best of spells either and I think when we spoke about this after the FA Cup final it's something we, we sort of indicated might happen that you know going in straight back into a season and having matches to play straight away was always going to be hard for them because I think in most cases, if you lose a major final, then you've got a few weeks off, you can get your head right and you come back again next year. But the girls weren't able to do that. And it does feel as though that that loss at Wembley has knocked them a little bit.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as well, after Wembley, the the first game we had after that was Chelsea away. And it ended up being a 4-0 to Chelsea. And it was honestly, watching that game with... About 15 minutes ago, it was still only 1 0. And you felt like Everton could still draw this, if not win it. It was that close. But it was, you know, we keep conceding goals. Again, on on, uh, Sunday, we lost 3 0 to Manchester City. But the girls conceded two goals in two minutes and then one with the last action of the first half. And it's just those, I think, margins and switching off for little moments, little mistakes that against the top, top teams were getting punished. You add to that the fact Valerie Govan hasn't played since um, since Wembley. Uh, we have had Simone McGill missing, Claire Emsley. Um, you know, we, we we have been hit quite hard with injuries. Lucy Graham was missing for a while as well.
1: Oh, we just lost her over there. Uh... Uh, we'll, we'll we'll try and get her back. Uh, I don't know don't know what's going on there. Uh, we'll 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 come back to that at the end of the show anyway. I know she's back again. We've got her, back. Sarah. Uh, hey, the, the last word you said with Claire Emersley, I thought that might have been the final straw. I don't know if that's anything an indictment on Claire at all.
2: It's it's Claire. She she drove me <laughs> to it, mate. Uh, no, sorry about that. I've been having trouble with my Wi Fi a little bit this week, but no. Mm. Um, you know the players that we were missing in Claire, Val, Simone, um, Lucy for a while. I think. Missing those players kind of hindered us a little bit, you know, um, in terms of certainly going forward and those players that you you rely on to put the ball in the back of the net. And I think you lose a bit of confidence. You know, it's the same with the men's team. Spirit of the Blues is going. Everybody's doing well. Everybody's having a great time. We're winning every week. Um, And when you do stumble upon hard times and you concede in goals and you know not quite getting the results that, that you want or deserve sometimes as well. Um, it's all about how they bounce back, and thankfully um, we've got a, we've got a few games coming up. We've got Birmingham this Sunday, and hopefully that'll be a three points to get back to winning ways. We've got United yeah. Cup and Arsenal, but then there's a bit of a break. And I think maybe if we could if we could get the three points against Birmingham this weekend, keeps us right up there then, and and gets us back in in that winning mentality, and hopefully heading into Christmas with a bit more confidence and waiting for players to come back in as well. So I think. We we have to win on Sunday because the the real ambition was Champions League, you know, this season. And hmm. um, I think if we're to stay near that, we've we've got to get the three points. But we're definitely still in it. Um, but yeah, we need to turn these turn these disappointing results around quickly.
1: Yeah, it feels like the game this weekend for them is very much what Burnley was potentially for the lads last weekend, where. You know, I, can't, I couldn't believe the run of fixtures they've got actually when I looked, up, looked it up today because it feels like they've come through a really brutal run at the moment. But they've got Birmingham at the weekend, then they've got United, Arsenal away, United again, then they've got Bristol at home, but then they've got Tottenham away as well at the end of January. So it feels like getting three points on on the board this weekend could really dictate how they approach the rest of those matches, whether it's going to be, right, let's, let's have a go with these, or, oh no, we haven't won there, where's the next one coming from?
2: Yeah, definitely, and I, I think you know if we can use this weekend to first and foremost the three points is the main thing, of course, but try and keep a clean sheet, you know, try and get that confidence in the back back again, um, and, and build a little bit of momentum. If we could try and get like a two 0 win or something like that, and and then build from that, I, I think it is crucially important, as you said, like the lads on on Saturday, you know, we needed that to be a win really to stay in and amongst that kind of Champions League thing. It felt um, that may be a gone a little bit too far who knows but yeah I think if this isn't a win that'll be massive in terms of confidence because you said you know Arsenal would be the next league game the next league game after that as well as the cup would be Manchester United so um yeah you can't guarantee getting any points out of those two games because they're two very very top sides but equally on our day we're capable of beating anybody so yeah Birmingham was massive I think we, we win that and then we head into Arsenal and United feeling a lot more confident as well
1: yeah. It feels like the, the fortunes of the lads and the girls have aligned a lot this season, doesn't it? It's been been quite strange. It's
2: been frustrating. Yeah. It's it's
1: know?
2: like whenever yeah. it's a disappointing for the lads and the girls are playing the next day, I'm kind of like already going, Oh you know, it's been that <laughs> it's been mad. Even even a lot of the goals that have been scored have been at similar times from similar positions and it, it's it's really strange. But uh mm. Yeah, let's hope the lads get to
1: a cup final as well um, and uh, go one least further. The, and the girls. Well, at least the girls beat the Reds anyway, that the lads didn't, <laughs> didn't have a match to do that in that regard. Uh, but yeah, uh, obviously, Birmingham with the weekend, big game, as Sarah mentioned. Uh, turn our attention to, to the lads who've got Chelsea at home on Saturday. Uh, I'll, I'll come to you first on this one, mate. Uh, sort of not looking too much at this game in, in particular, but. The run of fixtures Everton have got, which you know is, is pretty well documented, it's very very difficult between now and you know we've got Sheffield, Sheffield United on December the 26th, but even that one, you look at it and go they've not won a game yet, so time for Everton et cetera. Et cetera. Sure. But um, how are you feeling about the team at the moment navigating these, these these fixtures? You sort of look at it and suggest that you know we'll pick up a big result in one of them, but we're still capable of hitting teams who come on to us and leave space or. Even a little bit concerned about the way in which they have played recently in the defensive side of the game.
3: Yeah, I think, like Sarah said, it's kind of like there was a period in the beginning of the season where everything was going so well all over the club, and like Spirit of the Blues is in the charts, and it was just general positive vibes. But now, it just things have changed so much. Like, I was struck actually against Burnley when Ancelotti was celebrating our goal. I thought he celebrated it really aggressively, like, and I was actually kind of shocked because it looked like he was relieved almost. Do you know what I mean? And he's normally so kind of cool, calm and collected. So I think that, like, I'm not saying the pressure is getting to him, I'm just saying that I think the whole squad is feeling the pressure because it has to be, you know? And the fact that fans are coming back into the stadium, I don't know, I think that could be either a catalyst for a change or it could be just kind of a way of kind of in- encapsulating the mood even further, you know? Um, regarding the of fixtures, I kind of feel in some ways negative and in some ways positive because I think that sometimes it's against the big teams that everything can kind of pick up a result or something that can, you know, inspire a change in fortune or kind of, it can bring the best of the competitive instincts of some of the players. Uh, Whereas in the easier runs is kind of where we tend to to fall a lot of the time. I think, you know, beating teams, you should be beating. Um, So I think Chelsea would be a big game Saturday night. I'm personally nervous about it because I watched Chelsea against Sevilla last week and they beat them 4-0 and it was kind of a second string team almost. And they were just, phenomenal you know Like, there's so much attacking talent there and they're really beginning to gel now and get get kind of confidence you know so I'm personally looking forward to the game um, I think I hope he plays forward to back uh, I think the three to back experiment doesn't work with the wing backs um, but I'm not even sure who's going to start a centre back just things seem to be so kind of unsettled in the team at the moment so I think Alan looks off the pace completely um, I thought he was poor on Saturday um, and I don't understand why, because I thought he was so good at the beginning of the season. I know he improved against Leeds, but still, um, but no, I don't. I just don't feel confident at the moment for everything. To be honest, you know.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's something that we spoke about before, Les, and I think when we came back from the international break, a sort of. I think when we looked at the three games that we had in regards to Fulham, Leeds, and obviously Burnley at the weekend, you you want to be going into those the games in December, which is really difficult confidence. But I think what I wanted was for us to know what we're about, um, what way we're playing, what system we're playing, and for a few partnerships maybe to have developed a little bit further. Because this is a new squad still, full, full of new players. And it actually feels as though we're even further away from that. You know, Some of that's down to injuries, obviously, with the likes of Luca Dean, Seamus Coleman not being available. But a lot of it's down to the manager changing things around in regards to the system, the personnel within that system. And it all feels very fractured and... You know, like Alan said, you won't be surprised if we went into the Chelsea game at the weekend and it was sort of completely different again. Well,
4: yeah, I, I think that, that's been the whole problem, hasn't it? You know, We've sort of said we're always a bit worried of the three at the back anyway because it never seems to work at Everton. The one at um, yeah, the Emirates springs to mind when Allardyce just last um, five at the oh, back. It was the... Work and we were 4-0 down at half-time. No, Mangala's debut. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. It never seems to work for us, but... I think we said before, for it to work, you need, you need your defenders to buy into it. You need to play a settled defence. He's played a different set of defenders every game. There's been no consistency, so no-one's actually used to the formation. I think to take up the, uh, the point about Alan in the middle, um, he's had to play in the two, which is really difficult to do because you'd be getting no support from your wing-backs because that's not what they're there to do. They're there to do the whole flank, so they're not going to come in support. Which is why I don't get the three four three. I find it a really weird formation because you don't get the benefit of a, of a solid defence or a solid midfield or I don't know, it just doesn't just doesn't sit right. Um and yeah, I think he he's he's brought a lot of problems on on himself. And this month now it's it's on Ancelotti really to sort out. Um I know we've had injuries, but he has made a lot of these problems himself, I think by veering so far away. From what was making us a good team in the first place, we didn't necessarily have to. Um, so I think you know he, he's he's done everything in the game. He, you know he's come up against challenges in the game. He's played and beaten some of the best teams in world football. He's now got to find a way to do it with Everton in December against some of the league's top teams. I think, as Alan said, this you know it would be typically Everton to put in at least a dead good performance against Chelsea. Probably get beat 2-1, but we'll put on a really good performance where we all say, do you know what? That's what we need to see. We're just not quite making it. It's just very endemic of Everton lately, isn't it? We just don't do enough. I said there um, on Monday the night, it feels like every game's a bit sort of, well, we beat Villa, we go top. because We're just like just not that far away from the Champions League. We just can't get over the line. Um, it all feels very familiar, which I think is the worst thing about it, because... I think, you know, having Ancelotti and having the players he brought in, he's only had one window, admittedly, but having brought those players in, getting off to that good start, it felt so different to what we used to. And it all just seems to be falling back into depression, we familiar territory you now.
1: Yeah, I think that it's this point in the season, isn't it, Sarah, where, going off what Les said, said there in regards to, we still feel like we are quite close to the Champions League and European football, et cetera, et cetera. But it's this part of the season where, it can run away from you, isn't it? If you don't get it right. Cause we've got Chelsea on Saturday, four days later, we've got Leicester three days after that. We've got Arsenal four days after that. We've got United in the cup. three days after that. Sheffield United two days after that, Manchester City three days after that West Ham at home. It's game after game, after game, after game. And if you lose two or three of them or four, or, you know, four or five or whatever, then you are going to find yourself out of the picture, aren't you?
2: Yeah, you are, unfortunately. And, that's the position we find ourselves in now. And on the flip side, it's, you know, if if you get a chance to win a couple of games in the space of a few days, you can shoot yourself right back up the table again. But when you look at the fixtures that we have got, and I'm in agreement with Alan and Les here in that, you know, I think we do definitely play better against the better teams. We, something psychologically, we step up, we play better football. And like Les said, it could be a 2-1 or something where we play some nice stuff get really close and we kind of go that's what we need to see more of but you know and and, and also about the system as well I'm the, I'm the same in thinking you know we're massively we massively missed Richarlison we know that he's back now we've got to go without Luke Dean which is huge and Seamus Coleman which is huge so having the three at the back with the wing backs like Les said you think doesn't give you the best midfield options doesn't give you the best defense options either um, and you, you think you know, I know it's Carlo Ancelotti and obviously I'm not here to argue him, but I I always think, yeah, keep the system the same. Bring in, you know, Nkunku or and, and John Joe Kenny, whatever. Defensively, that's what John Joe will do. He defends, he might not offer you as much going up the pitch. But, you know, I think the, we're conceding goals in every single game and then you've already you've got a mountain to climb. You're one nil down against Fulham, you're one nil down against um, you know, uh barely. played. Burnley um, and, <laughs> you're just moulded into
1: one don't you <laughs> I, do.
2: I was thinking of Fulham and then I thought were we behind in the Fulham game yeah, it, was, it was Leeds Burnley you know, yeah. again you yeah. go behind in both them games and you're like well now we've got to score at least twice to make sure we get the win and it's just always that clawing back and you think yeah I wouldn't mind seeing the four at the back keep the system as it was um, help the likes of Alan out and Decore as well who I think has dropped off the pace in the last probably month um, you know, it's it, it is a process. Um, we know that, and he has. You know, he's not even been here for twelve twelve months yet, so we need to be patient in that sense. But when there's things that to an outside the looking in just seem like, just do that. You think, you know, just do that, and let's see what we can do. But it's going to be a really really tough December for Everton, no doubt. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that for me, that it's just got to simplify it now and sort of. There's probably two things which I'd say I'd be looking to do if I was the manager. It's Get as close to that system that we had earlier in the season when they were scoring loads of goals. They weren't like a seat, you know, we're keeping clean sheets, but you know, we were netting three, four every, you know, the odd five here and there every other week. And the other one is play fullback to fullback. And, you know, that, that might sound mad and obviously maybe not something. In fact, we could do it on the left hand side, he's just choosing not to do it. I, I imagine at the weekend, Ben Godfrey will end up playing left back and and who knows will play right back. But it just feels as though you, you've got these lads in the squad. We didn't sign replacements for Leighton Bage. We didn't sign a backup to Seamus Coleman because we had John Joe Kenny and, and then Kunku there. You know, play them give, give them, give them an opportunity to show what they can do. And it just feels at the moment, Al, that he's trying to, you know, overcomplicate what should be simple answers to, to simple questions.
3: Yeah, I think, you know, when he came in, the kind of the shift to the 4 that I know Dunk obviously started it, but it was kind of, I think it was what he did when he was at, um, I think it was Regia in the beginning of his managerial career. And it was very much kind of back to basics. And I kind of felt like everyone was talking all this kind of rubbish about his like his tactical ability and saying that he was kind of more of a, like a superstar coaxer than an actual coach. And I was hoping that what he'd do was kind of maybe introduce a very simple but effective system to Everton and just kind of upgrade the quality of players. But like you said, I Just don't understand this shifting players all over the place playing Alex Obi left wing back when he's it just strikes me as bizarre. Like, I think when you begin a season with a squad of 23, 24, 25 players and you have two left backs in the squad and two right backs, when one right back is missing and one left back is missing, the other should come in. I don't see why you play a center back, a left back, or back in a situation, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think. I liked personally the three in midfield when you've Gomez and Decore with Allen sitting. Because as, as Les said, that's when Alan is most effective. Um, but then like Gomez is another person who I just kind of, I don't understand because I think I was thinking recently about him and I remember when he came in in his first season and I remember he was bossing the early games, like, you know, really unbelievable.
0: With the new Chevy Silverado, you
1: might be driving in this... But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado.
0: Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet.
3: dribbling ability, strength, uh, passing ability. But he, he looks like a completely different player now. Like, and I know the energy injury is taken out, that out of him. But he just looks so slow and so kind of like, even his hair is kind of so long. He looks disheveled. <laughs> know like, no? But like, yeah. he's like the same player. <laughs> so I, I just feel like, I, I think if he was playing in good form alongside the other two in the centre midfield, I think it would make a big difference to our prospects. But I don't yeah. think it's going to happen with like him soon.
1: Yeah, these people who've let the hair grow along during lockdown need to smarten up, I think. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, an, it's an absolute disgrace. If uh, I had the
4: luxury of the option, I would. But, <laughs> uh,
1: but do you know what, Les? I think it's, uh, I think that there's something in that with Gomez where there's been matches this season where you've looked at him and thought didn't, didn't play particularly well there. But the midfield as a whole has looked at its best when, when he's been in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about him playing on the right wing or whatever he did when he was at Newcastle and he had an absolute shocker that day and, you know, Almiron just walked past him. It's, I think when he's played as, as that left of the three and he's got a bit more freedom to get forward, you know, opening day Tottenham, he was good. Crystal Palace for the yeah. first hour, he was, he was really good. Um, I just feel as though there's a lot more balance in, in the team when he's in there. And listen, he's not everyone's cup of tea, um, but it feels as though for the benefit of the team, and certainly the other two lads who will potentially play in midfield with him, that giving him another run of games might be the best way to go at the moment.
4: Yeah, I'm just now picturing though weirdly as late stage cumin. No, I'm sort of everyone's
1: everyone's turning, in, everyone's turning it everyone's turning to him. Yeah, <laughs> it's a really
4: weird image. Um, yeah, I think uh, that, that was the mad thing about the start of the season. I've not seen an Everton team look that balanced for years at that Tottenham game. It was like the perfect Everton performance, even right down to Dom's goal. That was like the perfect Everton goal. And I just thought like yeah this this is it now we're gonna be we're gonna be decent at least um which we have been up until a few weeks ago but it's it's starting to erode now isn't it the good feelings just starting to erode and we're all getting a bit fed up of it all but yeah I think we do need the three in the middle for that balance because there's no way the core and alan who were essentially trying to do the same job I think the two very similar players. um really did both sort of box to box players aren't they although Alan was brought into or to be defensive mid it seems.
1: yeah. I think if you ask them both their ideal position, they'd say right of the midfield free. I think that's yeah. where they both want to play.
4: Yeah, but it's the new number 10, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I think, I think the thing with Gomez is uh, he seems to have lost his intensity, doesn't he? So you remember when he, when he first came, uh, as Alan was saying, you know, he, he put it about a bit and he, he loved the battles. And then I think you saw there was, that, there was that challenge against Burnley where he sort of turned his back. and it, it was like it was like what Harry Kane does, but not quite as cynical as what Harry Kane does. Because I think he genuinely bottled it and turned his back. And when a player's got that weighing heavy on his mind, it's going to really lessen his impact to the team. Because he's, he, he's not given 100%, because he, he physically can't, because there's something stopping him in his head. So he needs to overcome that hurdle somehow. I don't know if he can. Um, but yeah, the team does look better balanced with him in. I just, I mean, I, I'm just sort of of the opinion now that we should maybe put try Holgate as a holding mid or try Godfrey as a holding mid. I mean, we can't do any worse, can we? Because the defence needs some protection. They are centre-backs who can play that midfield position. I know, it, I know it could be square pegs and round holes again, but they can play that position. They would do the defensive work. I could free up Alan Andacore right, to do their box-to-box thing. and cut could offer that balance again. Um, I'd also play Hamas Rodriguez centrally as like a 10.
1: And had played two up front. Well, well, Serra, the issue that's, with Hammond... It was like, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Le's, Les is the only person who's, who's got a uh, license to criticise Carlo Angelotti at the moment because he's, <laughs> he's actually a successful manager on the world. He is. Yeah. But, on uh, the
2: back of
1: a 4 0. Absolutely, yeah. But the, but the one thing I was going to say, Sarah, is that when it comes to Hamid Hammers- Rodriguez, uh, According to Gabby Bonnhor, he's been found out now, so we may as well just just sell him in January anyway, because you know he's he's not doing it now. You know, despite despite playing an unbelievable pass on Saturday, which should have won the game for us.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, well, if Gabby Bonnhor has spoken, I'll get on someone get on the phone to Carlo and tell him send him back. <laughs> it's just, I mean, what is he what is he on about there? Let's be honest, he's had a bit of a nightmare with that comment, hasn't he? And you, you even think back to the week before the Leeds game, you know. It's margins, so it was offside. We, we know the VAR malarkey in today's game. That goal, though, that didn't count, but he put the ball in there from that angle where he against Leeds, you know, that was the week before, as you just said, he should have got the pass that won us the game on Sunday. Even when we've been lackluster and we've struggled and we've not really done anything, even when for 80% of the game, 90% of the game, he doesn 't do that much he 's still the one that will will get those passes that will create those goals or or make something happen you know it, i don 't think there 's any any chance that he 's been found out. I think even if you think you know what he 's going to do like he 's just that good he 's one of those players that is just that good it doesn 't matter if you you, you think oh he 's going to do this and try and pass there he 'll do it anyway he 's brilliant I think we just we 've struggled with the change in formation um, the change of personnel key players being missing and those things combined, I think, you know, has really done us over. But I'm still just, you know, absolutely elated, as we all should be, that James Rodriguez is an Everton player. Um, yeah. It's just about getting getting even better players in. You know, it's going to take... I think this season now might be a bit of a frustrating one. We've still got a massive game against United in the Cup. If we win that, we're in the semi-finals of the Cup competition. Um, we might not get Europe this season. I think I'd like to think we still can, and we can, but, you know... Hammers is a player that we're going to build around over the next few seasons no doubt in my mind about that
1: yeah it, it, it feels to me I was just like one of those classic cases where a pundit looks at whether a player's got a goal or an assist in a game and before so he's not got some for a few weeks he must be having a, a bit of a bad time but I actually thought it was the best he played for for a few weeks on Saturday
3: definitely definitely that, that pass for the guilty chance towards the end was phenomenal like but uh I just feel like James is, we know what he is, you know, like he's a phenomenally talented footballer. He's not going to dominate every game because if he was in that kind of form, that kind of mentality, he wouldn't be at everything. He'd be at a Champions League club, you know. So I think that we have to pull up with his flaws to kind of make use of his gifts, really. You know, I think the pros outweigh the cons by a mile, to be honest. Like, um, I was just thinking as well about the midfield and I was thinking about. Guillermo Hoiberg I don't know if you saw his performance against yeah. Arsenal on Sunday he just performs the general this season he just he looks phenomenal he looks really really tenacious he looks like he would have been the ideal situation for our kind of central midfield position mm. um, but then also just to touch on what Sarah was saying about this season and possibly not getting Europe like my fear is that we can have a very small window with the kind of project we have here at the moment because like if we don't get Europe this season and gets close to 30 league goals Will we stay? And will Richard stay? Do you know? So like I'm just kind of very negative in general at the moment, no. to be honest, because I kind of I kind of I'm very worried about the short term and the medium and the long term future, you know?
1: Yeah, I think it's that, that that's a really interesting point because I suppose the manager himself said in the summer it's it's evolution, not revolution, but the signings the club made in the main indicate that it is about the short term, isn't it? You know, they sign players who are between the age of twenty-seven and twenty-nine. Angelotti, you'd, you'd anticipate less is going to be here for, you know, if he's here for three years in total, I think that'll be, that's probably about par, I'd say, you know, if you're going to make a guess in regards to what it was. So it's not as if this is going to be a five, ten year thing, there's there is a maybe more of an emphasis on the team getting results, you know, in the short term than it would have been, say, we brought in a, a project manager, so to speak, or someone who's a little bit younger.
4: Yeah, I think there's also now there's a lot of our players that on will be on other clubs' radar. So whereas sort of Luper Dean's probably gone under everyone's radar the last couple of seasons, he's really sort of dragged grabbed the spotlight this year, hasn't he? So there's got Champions League teams looking at him. Richarlison, I think I'm not convinced that whatever we do this season he'll stay because he's already sort of intimated that you know this could be the last season we'll see. But yeah, you're dead right. Uh Calvin Lewin, the clubs are going to be sniffing around him if we're not in Europe. And you know he's been here what five seasons now? So you yeah, think so, yeah. yeah? When he thinks you know what? I, I've given the club five years. I've hit the ground running. It finally, um, if I can get a move through Champions League club, you, you couldn't really begrudge him, could you? After the the shite he's been through with us, to be honest. Um, Just, come on, mate. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, um, so, yeah it, it's it's a tricky one. I don't think we can afford to not get into Europe, really. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it, it's going to be very competitive because it looks like it's a really open league this season. Um, and I, I, think the, I think the same with Hammers as well. I can't see him sticking around if we don't get in Europe. One season out of Europe is going to be more than enough for a player like him. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. all, nice,
1: all nice and positive, dish, isn't it?
4: This is why I think, though, with, with this January transfer window now, we really need to treat it like a summer one. Yeah. yeah. I know it's always the case that oh you don't get good value, which you can sometimes. The Reds did it with um, Suarez and Suarez. Yeah. You got you know, you got the two of them in January for eight million and twenty million. Um so you know, you can get good players, but I just I just think we need to just like throw everything at it now in January. Van Dyke too, wasn't it? Half of the season. What was that? Oh, sorry, we
3: van Dyke was January two and no, he wasn't cheap well. yeah, yeah. So
4: the players are there and it's I think it's more the, the priority has got to be do the best we can this season and if that means spending loads of money just
1: do it Only we could have the top scorer in the league and be t- talking about him leaving <laughs> and I, I'm guilty of it as well I, I, I've been saying to people how oh, much do you reckon he's worth now if we try to sell him in the summer Carver Lewin? but yeah uh, hopefully he stays around for a lot long because he's boss let's finish on a couple of positives uh, on, on the shows this week sir, I've not really spoken about Ben Godfrey he's had a bit of a, a mad start to his Everton career but um, played left back had a long time at the weekend and, and did largely pretty well there. And the thing I, I like about him, which maybe I think is a bit different to the centre backs you've got currently, probably probably two things really is one is just aggression. He's got a bit of gnarl and a bit of nastiness. You know, he was shouting a hammers, wasn't he, at <laughs> one point on Saturday when he put the ball out of play, which was an interesting one for the 22 year old lads from Norwich to be doing that. But you know, fair enough, fair enough, you're all on the same team. Um, but he seems to really like defending as well. He seems to really enjoy that side of the game, with just you know, getting blocks in and heading stuff away. And I just think he's right. Really, you know, he looks like he's made of the right materials, albeit he's not played in his best position very much. yet.
2: Well, that's another thing that that makes you you know like this like this lad more, doesn't it? He's coming. He's there's been no qualms with him. He, he's going where where Ancelotti's asked wherever he's been asked to play. He's done it and he's given it his best. And there's been times where he's been caught out and there's been times where he's struggled because he's obviously been targeted, being playing out of position, being thrown in. And, and it has been exploited at times. But no, when he played left back on the weekend, I thought he was probably about our best player on the pitch. Um, certainly right up there, you know. And like you said, the aggression of him, the fact that he's vocal, you love to see that. You, you, you want to see that. You don't want to see everyone cowering down and whinge at you. Like, you know... Try and get that motivation. If you're not happy with something, tell them. It's all, it, it, You'd like to see that, especially against players like Hamas Rodriguez. You know, I, I love that he's clearly got that authoritiveness and, and leadership in him. He's built like a bloody slotty machine, isn't he? The shoulder's on him, <laughs> do you know what I mean? He's fast. He loves a tackle. Some of the tackles he makes as well are just to perfection. And I think he's a joy to watch. And you know, I know we've just had our little depressing moment, but I think when you look at players like Holgate, Dominic, because I think Calvert-Lewin will still be here at Everton. I think Richarlison potentially is a different matter, but I I haven't even really thought about Calvert-Lewin leaving to be honest. But the fact we've got Holgate, Calvert-Lewin, Ben Godfrey, players like that, young English talent um, on on long term deals as well, I think is fantastic. But yeah, Godfrey, um, it'd be interesting to see what him and Holgate would be like as as our our two centre backs going forward. They they could end up being. About the best partnership in the league going, in, you know, in the next few yeah. years. So that's something to be excited about. We need to sort out our defensive uh, frailties and Burnley. It, we were a lot better than we have been. So that's that's something. But uh, yeah, Ben Godfrey was definitely uh, a real, real bright spark on a disappointing
1: afternoon. Hmm. Do you think you're playing left like back on
4: Saturday, I don't No, I, 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 I sort of hope not. I think it's it, he, he did play really well. Um, I think it's one thing doing it against Burnley and another thing doing it against Chelsea. Um, I don't know. You know, if you if you can play full back, I think if you can play left back, you can. If you can play right back, he can generally play left
1: back. You can get by. It, it a lot does hinge on the quality of the person you're up against, though. Um, well, the thing is, he etches out, isn't he? Which is obviously a, a bit of a boost for us. He got an injury at the weekend, and usually plays on that right side. But no, they, they've only got Christian Pulisic to bring in, so you know, yeah, no yeah. bother. Don't I suppose the other thing is you are
4: bringing in a relative unknown quantity in Uncunku if if we go down that route, uh um, who has played well in the League Cup games, including West Ham. So he has played against Premier League teams, but again, it's a it's a different matter playing in the league against Chelsea. So it's a tricky one, really. I, I don't know I don't know what what would be best to do. I, I think as you said, they'll probably bring Unkunku in for me because he is a left back.
1: Yeah, i uh, will be surprised if that happened though. I just we yeah, speak about so. that game and fans being back at Gullison. Uh, Paul Paul Hagenbeck on YouTube has said, "Great show." Uh, is that mate you're drinking, Alan? I think that's the, the most important question of the show.
3: Uh, yeah, it is, it is, it is, it is.
1: So can can you explain to people who don't know what is that? Did I pronounce that right?
3: Yeah, it's, it's basically it's um it's yerba mate, right? So it's basically like it's like it's made from Argentina and Uruguay, and it's like you put like these kind of like dried herbs into like a gourd. And then you like steep it, and then you pour like hot water in, and you like put a metal straw through it and drink it basically. My, I, my roommates are from Uruguay and Argentina, so they got me hooked on it. Like, and I love it, I like, drink you it all, all day.
1: You always see Messi, Messi and Suarez drinking it, don't you, yeah. when they? When they go on trips and stuff like that.
3: They all do, yeah. And also, even Antoine Griezmann does too, because uh, he pretends he's
1: Uruguayan. He right. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. pretends he's Uruguayan, his best friend's Diego Godin. Um, mm. so I think he's the godfather of his children and stuff so he loves the culture but actually Pogba does too a lot of top footballers do drink it because obviously the Latin American culture is strong in football you know but it's, it's really good it's like caffeine but it's not as like harsh as coffee it's more like kind of a gradual buzz throughout the day you know so it's ideal for like working from home
1: or something like Where get, can the you get the
2: laps st- on it get the laps yeah, on no, it
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> hopefully they're, hopefully they not on that at the match on Saturday yeah, you know, so he's got so many South American players now. Why, why not?
3: True, true, true. We've no Argentinians, though. It's mainly like Argentina and Uruguay and then like South Brazil. But we don't have Colombia, isn't really Mate drinking. And neither is uh, where Alan and uh, Richardson are from, or Bernard. There you what go.
1: I'm, yeah. I'm going to give that a go, I think
4: see. I can just see on Saturday Matt just saying to Mose, you get the uh, get the pre match Mattes in love. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Um contact Alan if you've got any Mate questions <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure he'll be there to answer it. Uh, but just finally, uh gonna be two thousand blues back at Goodison Park on Saturday. Uh, it's exciting, isn't it, Les? Um, you know the this is starting to take place now. Obviously, the club have put out a little video today for those who are going and what they need to do in regards to social distancing and the tests and all that, which I think is really important. But it's just, you know, I think a month ago it didn't look like we'd be in this situation. So it's, you know, just put a smile on your face thinking about the, the prospect of being back at Ellison Park again soon. Yeah, it's, it's a small step, but it's a
4: significant one, isn't it? And you, you kind of think, you know, if we could if we could get to the stage where we can get 4,000 in the ground, even better, but... I think the way they're doing it, if you, if you, so if you get, so like, so you've got tickets for Chelsea, then you'll be out of the ballot until everyone's had a go, I think, isn't it? So this is a, yeah. this is a fair way of doing it. Um, so everyone should get a go uh, within the next month, really. We should all get to Goodison in December, which is dead exciting. And, and you'd be surprised how, how much
1: noise 2,000 people can make as well reckon. Oh, yeah, especially when you are the- So loud. Yeah, especially when they all boo in unison. It's you know, yeah. <laughs> especially when they've been
2: on the maté, pretty much.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that's going to be the big takeaway. I've got so many questions. show we're gonna, <laughs> gonna, we're going to run out of time here. Yeah, um, yeah um, can't wait for that at the weekend. Uh, but yeah, we are out of time today. As I said, thanks very much to Sarah, Les, and Alan. Uh, really enjoyed that show. We're back. Later in the week, with what's the score? Les will find someone to do that, but like I said, um, I'm going to be a good. We're in the, we're in the top balcony though, Row M, so going to be cold. be. That's
2: dirty. my. That's me top balcony. That's uh, go and sit in my seat for me.
1: I'll <laughs> just check it's still there check it's still there <laughs> give it
2: give, give it a little say hello to it tell it i
1: miss it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, but yeah Les we be doing what's the score before that game uh, like as ever you've got to hear more from us the Blue Rexter is always there multiple shows each week they build it up to analyse all the of these games that's pp.com <laughs> thanks very much for watching all listening so tonight. we be back again the same time next week.
0: Join the BD team in Columbus, Nebraska. We're hiring for multiple positions with sign-on bonus eligibility. Our comprehensive benefits plan starts for all employees on their first day, including low- or no-cost insurance plans for select positions, career growth opportunities, and more. BD is made for what's next in health and your career. Apply today at jobs.bd.com. That's jobs.bd.com.